right, Eagles fans, we are fresh off a win, but we can't celebrate it for too long because we play on Thursday night football against the defending Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a reunion with our old friend Tom Brady, and uh, a whole bunch of uh, Pennsylvania and Philadelphia ties on this coaching staff as well with the Buccaneers. And joining me to break down this quick turnaround game on Thursday night football at the link is the one and only James Yarcho. What's going on, man? First time Eagles Enemies guest. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. If I had thought about it, I would have hung a Rondé Barber jersey up behind me. <laughs> but it, it didn't dawn on me until you started the intro. You know how to sling it, and I'm very excited for this episode now. Rondé Barber is a deep cut of my childhood that probably explains so many uh, just anxiety-induced football memories. Yeah, I feel the same way about Donovan McNabb, and for that matter, Andy Reid. So the Super Bowl last year was fantastic to kind of get back at Andy a little bit for some of the the heartache that he caused my childhood. So, <laughs> so let's get into it. Uh, but first things first, a little off the field with uh, some former Bucks. I just wanted to get your your take on everything going on with John Gruden and uh, the Buccaneers removing him from their Ring of Honor. Yeah, I I think it's something that needed to be done. Um, what I find really interesting, and I've seen a lot of people talk about it on social media, is that this this all came out from an investigation on the Washington football team. We you know we heard the allegations about Dan Snyder and, and that organization and everything, and they dive into this investigation. And the biggest thing to come out of it is John Gruden emails from like a decade ago. But, you know, I read the New York Times report. I saw some of the things that Gruden said about Buccaneers owner Brian Glazer. And, yeah, you you do kind of have to move on from that. And what, I, what I'll find interesting, they've removed him from the Ring of Honor. But there is a gigantic statue inside of one Buccaneer place that commemorates the Super Bowl. And that statue has John Gruden and Derek Brooks and Warren Sapp and, and John Lynch and uh, Mike Allstott. So what are they going to do with that? Like, if you're going to remove him from the ring of honor, don't you kind of have to remove him from the entryway of the team facility as well? But it, it's unfortunate that he decided to kind of go that route and, and say some of those things. And, and I'm not stupid. I'm not oblivious to the fact that he's not the only one in the NFL saying these things, but he got caught red handed and given the way that we're trying to kind of be a little more inclusive as a society, you know, those things are, you know, they're not acceptable anymore. They, they weren't acceptable then. They're even less acceptable now. And you kind of have to separate yourself from that situation. You know, it's a, another, you know, notch in the belt, too, for the Buccaneers in the way that they've, you know, just handled themselves as an organization over the years. And especially now with Bruce Arians coaching staff entire coaching staff, you know, coaches of color, there's females on the the training staff and the coaching staff. So good on the Buccaneers too, to, you know, kind of address it and, and get it right out of the way and show some solidarity with their, you know, employees. Yeah, absolutely. And I realize people make their comments about, well, this is the same team that has Antonio Brown. This is the same team that has Richard Sherman. They're not without their issues. Um, I think there's a big difference between, accusations, whether they were settled or not, accusations and something that is right in front of your face in black and white with pure 100 uh, percent undeniable proof. So every team has kind of their their players that have gotten second chances that are on thin ice. 
and you you know you like to root for those kind of redemption stories right i mean as as a, a group that loves uh sports with underdogs and and films about uh you know the the underdog winning and, and coming out on top or or the friend zone guy that finally gets the girl that he's in love with you love those kinds of stories so antonio brown now has that second chance and and he knows even though this is his second year with the team he's still on thin ice one mistake bruce arians won't hesitate to get rid of him richard sherman trying to work out some personal some mental issues he's gotten counseling he sought help and trying to get those issues resolved so you want to see those guys redeem themselves and, and again i think there's a big difference between accusations and black and white proof and with gruden the proof was right there for the entire world to see so 100%. And, you know, bringing up Antonio Brown, Richard Sherman, there's also guys like Leonard Fournette on this team and a bunch of guys yep. that have come from different organizations. And I think it's, it, and you know, Tom Brady as well. Mm -hmm. uh, this team, once Tom Brady came into the fold last season, he was able to kind of, you know, pick and choose some of the pieces that he wanted on this roster. And I find it interesting that in a different sport like the NBA, when you get these super teams that come out, you know, you have LeBron James recruiting guys to come play together. You had the Miami Heat run with LeBron as well. You had these different teams, and now it's going on with the Lakers. You have everything going on with the Brooklyn Nets. And some people, you know, kind of look down on that, and they think it's, you know, ruining the sport where a bunch of these guys in the NFL have teamed up, gone to play with Tom Brady, Richard Sherman, the, the latest signing, obviously. And it's almost like everybody, like you said, it's kind of that, you know, you're rooting for them because they're getting an opportunity to – you know, go win a ring with Tom Brady and, and with this organization that's built upon, you know, that win now mode. What do you think that difference is where in the NFL it's kind of celebrated where these guys are coming together and playing with one another as opposed to something like the NBA where a lot of people look down on it? Well, and, and I'll be completely honest. I've I've gone away from the NBA. I was an avid NBA fan for years and years and years. And now that it's kind of the era of super teams where there's only really four maybe five teams with any kind of legitimate chance to win. You take a look at the structure of the NBA and it's, it's the players running things, right? Which, you know, more power to the players. They're the ones out there, you know, doing the job and, and making the owners money and, and putting fans in the, in the stadiums. But you have kind of that there's the luxury tax and, and owners can go over the salary cap. If they pay a fine, the NFL, there, there's no such thing. Everybody is, is on a level playing field. If you don't spend money, you get to roll it over. So you, maybe you get to spend a little bit more money than other teams. But for the most part, everyone's pretty much on a level playing field. So it's up to the players as to do they want to get the bag or do they want to get the ring? And what we've seen in, in Tampa, and I think the situation honestly is a little bit different if it's not for COVID. Right. So you have a, a salary cap that didn't go up nearly as high as it should have without the the covid restrictions and the lack of revenue there. So you have these guys that are like, you know what, I'll take less than I'm worth to try to run it back and win another one because I know next year it's going to go up and I'm going to be able to get my bag. So this is kind of the, the last hurrah for this team to really be able to be together because guys like Leonard Fournette are going to be able to go out and make their money. Guys like Antonio Brown, who has shown so far that he can stay out of trouble. He's a really good teammate. He's done everything that they've asked him to do in Tampa. Maybe he gets an opportunity now to go out and, and 
make one final big paycheck. Richard Sherman trying to return from an injury. He hadn't played football since December. Now he had offers in the off season, but turned them down. And he's now taking less money after all the stuff that, that went down with him to play for the Bucs and try to say, you know what? I can still play at a really high level. I'm going to be able to go make my money, but here's a chance to go win a ring with Tom. Um, so I, I think if, if COVID is not in the landscape, the Buccaneers are not able to build the team that they are currently building. That's an interesting point. You know, a lot of people don't think of it that way with, you know, the NFL salary cap and the decision that some of these veteran players have to make to say, hey, do I want to go get more money while I still can? Or do I want to go win a championship that could potentially help me leverage more money down the line? Mm-hmm. Um, the the number one thing I got to talk about on this Bucks roster that I am so envious of are these linebackers. Oh, the for whatever reason. The Philadelphia Eagles have not valued the linebackers since the early 2000s. And the linebackers that this Buccaneers team has makes me salivate. Every time I watch that defense go out there and play, what what is it about these guys that is just so special, you know, from Levante David to Devin White? Like, it's just like world beater after world beater at the linebacker position. And it it goes to show how important it is because the Buccaneers run defense is, is one of the best, if not the best. We all know the traditional Big Four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Yeah, well, and it's really unfortunate for the Buccaneers, a little bit more fortunate for for you guys, that Levante David will not be playing in this game. He's got the ankle injury, and he's such a phenomenal all-around linebacker, right? He's great at the run stopping. He can he can sniff out the football from anywhere on the field, has great closing speed, so he can do that. He can blitz, he can cover tight ends, which you know was something that that I was concerned about with the with the dual-headed monster there of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. You know, now the Buccaneers are losing their number one cover linebacker as far as tight ends, a guy that shut down Travis Kelsey in the Super Bowl, but now Goddard won't be available because of the reserve COVID list. But we we rewind the clock to when uh, my my locked on Bucks co-host and I, David Harrison, we were at the combine where Devin White was. It was Bruce Arians' first year with the team, and that was kind of the rumbling all through Indianapolis is how much the Buccaneers loved Devin White. Now. At the time, they had Levante David and Quan Alexander. So Quan Alexander was great. He was exciting, but he had a lot of issues. And you heard a lot of people saying, why are you going to draft an off-ball linebacker at number five in the draft? I mean, top five for an off-ball linebacker. Devin White shows you exactly why. He's improved dramatically in his coverage. This was a guy last year was getting burnt week after week after week on wheel routes by running backs. He improves that that part of his game. He's one of the best 
closing linebackers in probably the last decade. If there is a ball being carried, Devin White will track you down and he will bring you down. And not only that, he can force the fumbles. He can intercept the ball. He comes on these incredible delayed blitzes where he gets after the quarterback, which is something I'm really going to keep an eye on with somebody as mobile as Jalen Hurts that can escape pressure. He can escape the pocket. He can extend drives on on third and long with his legs alone, which is going to be very frustrating for Buccaneers fans in this game because I think he'll do it at least three or four times where you think he's dead in the water and, oh, guess what? Eagles have a new set of downs now because Jalen Hurts is going to be Jalen Hurts. So the the emphasis on the linebackers and really solidifying the middle of that defense for the Bucs has opened things up for Todd Bowles in ways of being able to send different kinds of disguised blitzes. We see corner blitzes. We see Antoine Winfield Jr., again, somebody that's not going to play Thursday night, but in general, somebody that can come in on a safety blitz. You have you know a guy like Vita Vea at the front who just absolutely destroys any human being that lines up across from him. He's going to collapse the pocket over and over and over. And that's what opens things up for Levante and Devin White to be able to come in and blitz and get to the quarterback unimpeded because Vita Vey is eating up three guys, two of which he's currently standing on because he knocked them over and he wants to continue to push the third one into your quarterback. Um, so having a duo like Levante and, and Devin White in the middle to anchor your defense is it's really, it's, it's not fair. It's cheating. Literally. It is, it is like the, uh, the old cheat code in the, the old Tony Hawks underground when you got to unlock Iron Man, that is exactly what the Buccaneers linebackers are. What a um, great callback. <laughs> one of the best games of my childhood. Oh, I love that game so, so much. Um, let's talk about, you know, Tom Brady mm -hmm. year two with Tampa Bay. What has it been like since he's arrived with this team and just the 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 culture change, the the vibe around this team, obviously winning a Super Bowl last season? Uh, it just seems like obviously the Buccaneers are more on the map than ever. But going from Jameis Winston to Tom Brady, that's, you know, uh, a world of difference, I'd say, even though Jameis wasn't awful, but he did have his 30 for 30 season, his final year as the Buccaneers quarterback. But what has it been like since Tom Brady's come to town? I think it's it's kind of opened up some eyes around the league because something that we've known covering the Buccaneers, whether it's on the podcast or, or I also write for Bucks Nation over there with SB Nation, is we've preached for years how talented of a team the Buccaneers are. Yet they always manage to finish under 500. So we get called homers. We get called, you know, we we're just kissing their their behinds because we cover the team and and yada yada. But this is a team that has had Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Levante David since 2012. Uh, they've had tons and tons of talent. This has been a a playoff roster for the better part of of four years, but. You had a quarterback in Jameis Winston who, credit to him, he would go out there and he would win them games that they had no business winning at all. But he would go out there and he would lose them games that they had no business losing. With Tom, as soon as he walked in the door, he gave the franchise credibility and he gave his teammates a level of confidence that they didn't know that they had where they could go out there and they could play up to their potential, something that they hadn't been able to do before because it was always kind of a when's the other shoe going to drop kind of mentality. Like, 
yeah, we're cooking right now. We're in line to make the playoffs. All we have to do is win three out of our next four. And instead, they lose four in a row, right? Because Jameis will throw you two touchdowns, but he'll throw you three interceptions and fumble the ball. So it was it was a matter of getting a guy in there that knew how to do the job and knew how to utilize his teammates to the best way he possibly could. And, and even then, there were the growing pains. I go back to the COVID issues. You signed Tom Brady. That's great. But now there's no OTAs. There's no training camp. There's no preseason. This guy's organizing workouts on high school football fields because schools are out. All the all the students are remote learning. So he he's organizing these 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 workouts to try to get to know his his team. And you saw the struggles. They lost three out of four heading into their bye week, and they were sitting at seven and five. You know, they they were on the cusp of not making the playoffs at all. So it was a matter of meshing what Tom Brady did with what Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich do as coordinators and finding kind of that best of both worlds. Tom had to give in a little bit on throwing the deep ball more than he was comfortable throwing it because that had never been part of his game. And it had to be Bruce and, and Byron giving it a little bit and, and saying, okay, more checkdowns, more five to eight yard routes. Let's, let's work together. And then everything kind of clicked after that buy, they rattle off eight straight. So Tom brought in, confidence, the knowledge of how to win a championship, what it takes to get there, what he needed of, you know, from his teammates. And it just, it elevated the entire, even the social media team, arguably one of, if not the best social media team in all of football, even they elevated their game because all eyes were on them. They had Tom Brady. They had to maximize what their jobs were. So it's, it's really been incredible to see, but Outside of of Tom being Tom, this was always a good team. And I think from an outsider's perspective looking in and having gone to battle with Tom Brady twice in the Super Bowl uh, when he was in New England, it almost seems like once Tom left New England, he became more fun. Yes. Do you guys have that vibe too? Even, you know, removing your fandom from it and enjoying what Tom Brady's been able to do, which is just absurd the way he's playing. Uh, at this point in his career, but do you guys feel that way that he's become like more fun and more likable ever since he left the the clutches of Bill Belichick? Absolutely. And, and you, you have to look at it, as you said, with kind of an unbiased eye, right? So he becomes a little bit more transparent. He starts doing these, these videos for social media after when he, he did one um, leading into the Falcons game where he had, purposely positioned a clock behind him that read 328 like new England Tom's never going to do that. And, and I'll, I'll share a quick personal story. My lifelong best friend, we've been best friends for about 25 years. Uh, I've uh, the only person that hates Tom Brady more than my best friend is my sister. Who's a Steelers fan. So understandable. Tom Brady has ruined her life for the last two decades. So, my best friend absolutely despises Tom Brady. He told me after after the Buccaneers signed him that he wanted the Buccaneers to go 0-16. Uh, he hated the fact that I was now rooting for Tom Brady. And after the boat parade, when Tom Brady had to be walked in by backup quarterback Ryan Griffin because he was so hammered from that boat parade, 
my buddy texts me. He goes, okay, Tom is kind of likable. And I'm like, there it is. <laughs> Tampa Tom is the best Tom because his personality is allowed to shine and his personality is phenomenal. He just wants to be one of the guys. That was that was always a big thing. But in New England, you know, the evil empire, whatever you want to call it, there was always that shadow cast that we have to do things the Patriot way, you know, three word answers to the media, no social media, no personality, no fun. It's show up and do your job with a guy like Bruce Arians as your head coach that runs literally post game tailgate parties out of his car where he has a mobile bar for players family members opposing players that want to stop by tom can kick back just be a normal guy who's out there playing football better than any 40 year old we have ever seen in in the history of football and he can just be him and it's so much more fun They get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. With Bruce Arians, you know, leading the charge as the head coach of this team, too. He always just has been successful wherever he goes yeah. for whatever reason, whether it was with the Steelers, the Colts, the Cardinals, he had some success as well. What do you think makes Bruce Arians such a good coach? It's his ability to connect with his players. I think really is what it boils down to. He's not going to BS anyone. We, we saw last year the criticism that he was getting on national shows because he criticized Tom Brady. Well, you can't. You can't say anything bad about Tom Brady. Well, yeah, he can. And Tom was fine with it, and they laughed about it. Behind the scenes, that can you believe the nonsense they're saying on ESPN today? People were calling for Bruce Arians to be fired because he called out Tom Brady, but he's not going to BS anybody. He's going to call you out on your mistakes, but he's also going to have you over to have dinner with him and his wife and kick back and relax and enjoy a drink and, and have a good time. And it was something that he learned from Bear Bryant when he worked at, at Alabama as the running backs coach there. And the, the thing that Bear always told him was, you coach them hard now, you hug them harder later. So the coaching aspect is his job, but he knows, especially with a, as diverse of a background as he has, he can connect with any player on any level, no matter what. And, and I think that draws so much respect and and admiration from his players that they want to go out there and play hard for him. They want to go out there and win for him because like I was saying with Tom Brady, he's one of the guys. Yeah. He's your boss, but at the same time, he's just one of the guys that can kick back and relax and, and, and show you a good time. Just when it's time to work, let's go to work. 100%. And he's, he's easily one of the most likable coaches from, not even being a Bucks fan, you know, everybody loves Bruce Arians. And that's the same type of sentiment that you get hearing from the outside in is like, he's just one of the guys. Yeah, absolutely. The only people that don't like Bruce Arians are the people that are fantasy football players and they have a running back that plays for Bruce Arians. 
because you never know which running back is going to be his flavor of the week. And that goes all the way back to, you know, his time with Arizona and, and even a little bit with Indianapolis, you just never know when to pull the trigger. So of course you're like, Bruce, but as, as a person, as a, you know, legitimately as a, as a head coach, everybody loves him. The one thing in this game that I think a lot of people are talking about is how well, and we mentioned a little bit earlier, how well the Buccaneers are able to stop the run. Mm-hmm. Well, the benefit for the Eagles is they can't run the ball right now for whatever reason. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of passing, in my opinion. I think we're going to see Jalen Hurts throwing the ball a ton. This Buccaneers secondary is a bit banged up. Um, obviously, Richard Sherman came in off the street and then suited up for this team against the Patriots uh, not soon after. So what do you make of, of this kind of, you know, taped together Buccaneers secondary? And how do you think they're going to fare against an Eagles passing attack that has a lot of speed, has a lot of youth and features a, a quarterback who can move the ball down the field with his arm, but is also mobile, like we mentioned, and can move it himself in the run game? There are going to be big plays out there available for the Eagles offense. There's no question about it. Richard Sherman, you know, he practiced twice and then was starting in a primetime game in New England, right? So he looked a little bit better against Miami, still gave up some, some passes, and, and that's fine. You know, If I'm Richard Sherman right now, I'm not trying to be 2017 Richard Sherman, right? I'm trying to keep the ball in front of me, make a play when I can, but make sure that if the receiver catches a the ball, there's no yards after that. Okay. With Antoine Winfield Jr. out with the concussion, couldn't clear the concussion protocol. That's another big time player in the Bucks secondary that they don't have. Now, Mike Edwards, who will fill in for him, is a starting caliber safety in the NFL. Unfortunately, he's just stuck behind somebody who legitimately has a chance to be an all pro in Antoine Winfield Jr. So, he will be able to, to make plays on that back end. But if if I'm Todd Bowles, the way that I'm going to approach this is the same way that I approached Kansas City in the Super Bowl. I'm going to run a lot of cover two with two deep safeties with Jordan Whitehead and Mike Edwards back there. Or I'm going to run uh, a, a cover man where my corners are man-to-man. I still have Richard Sherman out there. I got Jamel Dean. Ross Cockrell has played extremely well in the absence of Sean Murphy bunting but I'm still keeping my safeties back. I do not want Devontae Smith to go absolutely ham because we're trying to have him covered one-on-one by Richard Sherman, who's still trying to get his legs under him. You have to keep those safeties back, keep the ball in front of you. You still have the issue of Zach Ertz, who's not who he was three years ago, but you know, he's still a threat to move the chains, to get some yardage, and with Levante David out, Now you kind of have that mismatch because Devin White, for as good as he is, is not nearly as good in coverage. So are you going to have Ross Cockrell, the slot guy, try to cover Zach Ertz, who beats him out by probably five inches and 55 pounds? Or are you going to try to hang Devin White out there? Are you going to move Kevin Minter into the coverage? So there's a lot of, of piecemealing together here, right? They've lost Carlton Davis. Sean Murphy bunting, there's your top two corners. They have lost Antoine Winfield Jr., your number one safety. Um, you know, we could switch over to the offensive side of the ball. There's no Rob Gronkowski. And we saw against a top 
level passing defense in the Patriots, which is something the Eagles also have. They're one of the best pass defenses in, in football. We saw how much Tom missed Gronk in those red zone situations against a top level passing defense. This team has lost a starter a week since the season began. Um, so it's going to be a very, very difficult task. I think the ultimate message is the, the Bucks. You, you have to play a bend, don't break defense. Keep everything in front of you. Try to hold them to field goals. Eventually, Devontae Smith is probably going to break one off. Jalen Hurts is probably going to bust off a 20, 30-yard run that's going to give them some momentum. But you have to try to keep everything in front of you and then be able to attack with Leonard Fournette out of the backfield and maybe kind of a, a shorter passing game and hope that Antonio Brown breaks one off like he did against the Dolphins, or you're going to be utilizing a lot of Cameron Braid and OJ Howard in the middle, trying to exploit some mismatches against some linebackers. And with Gronk being out and you guys still having these three tight ends on this roster, were you surprised coming into the season that all three guys remained in Tampa Bay? No, not at all. And a lot of Bucks fans have been calling for the trading of OJ Howard. He's in his fifth year option. And when Sean Murphy Bunting went down, it was, well, let's trade O.J. Howard for C.J. Henderson. Well, C.J. Henderson's not going to help the Buccaneers win this year, right? He is a developmental project that was taken in the first round by Jacksonville. Didn't fit in well there. He gets traded for a tight end, ironically enough, within the division to Carolina. But Richard Sherman was the guy that could come in and help the Buccaneers right now this year. O.J. Howard had more value to this Buccaneers team this year than C.J. Henderson did. And it's for this exact reason, because Gronk went down. O.J. Howard was their top receiving tight end in 2020 until he hurt his Achilles, and he was out for the year. In fact, he was, he was in the top three in the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns when he went down. So it's not that O.J. Howard can't play. He's also slowly trying to work his way back from a devastating injury Cameron Brait would, if it wasn't for Mike Evans, Cameron Brait, we might be talking about as the Buccaneers all-time leading touchdown scorer or being on the verge of becoming that. And his, his role in the passing game is, is severely underrated because Gronk is here. So obviously Gronk is going to get the workload, but Cameron Brait is a reliable pass catching tight end. He can't block to save his life, but he's a reliable pass catcher. So it wasn't a surprise at all that they kept all three of these guys because you have Gronk with an injury history. You have OJ Howard with an injury history. You knew at some point for some stretch, at least they were only going to have two of those three guys available. And that has come to fruition. Now I think it's the right decision for Gronk to not play this week. I think ru rushing him back would have been a huge mistake. You could have lost him, you know, for even more time. I think he does have a really good chance of playing next week, but ultimately I think the Buccaneers can get the job done with the receivers that they have, as well as still having Brayton and Howard as their tight ends. Sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work. And with the rise of streaming platforms, new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch. Well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. 
Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. Tom Brady brought up three specific guys today in his press conference on the Eagles defense, has been commending the Eagles defense uh, all week long. And one, I don't know how I feel about that uh, because, you know, Tom Brady's notorious for name dropping things and talking about defenses that he knows he can absolutely obliterate. Um, But he brings up Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and oddly enough, Derek Barnett, who has been a headache and a half for Eagles fans this year. Um, what do you make of this Eagles defense going up against this Bucks offense, the offensive line and defensive line battle as well with how well uh, Javon Hargrave and Fletcher Cox have been able to play this year? Well, Fletcher Cox has been incredible for you know, years. You know, he's, he's one of probably the most, one of the most underrated defensive players I think out there. And I just, I don't think people respect how good he is as often as they should. Having said that, the the Buccaneers offensive line has played extremely well. They've given up some sacks, of course, but overall they have been a pretty solid offensive line. Ryan Jensen, the center, that, that is a guy you don't want to lose. He is questionable with a hip injury. He did not finish the game against Miami. So if, if Ryan Jensen can't play, there is going to be a lot of very, very quick passes. There's not going to be a lot of opportunity for Brady to sit back, buy a little bit of time, and throw the deep ball that we've seen him throw throughout the season. I think the best way that the Buccaneers can attack, you know, can attack Philadelphia is with Leonard Fournette. Fournette has established himself as the number one back on this team. I love Ronald Jones. I keep waiting for Rojo to turn this thing around and become the running back that almost had a thousand yards last year. I just don't see it. He seems far more concerned with arguing with people on social media about his performance than he does about improving his actual performance. Meanwhile, Leonard Fournette has gone out there and just taken the reins. He is the 1A and the 1B. Now the number two is Gio Bernard because he comes in on the passing downs, right? So when you have as good of a pass defense as the Eagles have, you have some of the problems with the blocking having lost Gronk. Now, OJ Howard's a great blocking tight end, but even while he's trying to slowly work his way back, he's not up to the level that he should be. Cameron Brate can't block at all. Okay, so that kind of hinders Brady's ability to sit in the pocket and be able to hit guys like Godwin or Evans or AB on these deep pull, um, the, these deep routes. So you have to attack the Eagles weakness, which would be the run defense. They're bottom third in the league and rush defense. It has to be a slow ground and pound drag it out kind of game. Brady will take a shot. Brady will, he'll get his, but it's not going to be any 400 yards and, and five touchdown performance. Like we saw against the dolphins. I think this game plays out pretty similarly, at least for the, the passing game for the bucks as it did against the Patriots. Now, they might have a little bit more luck in the red zone, but again, you're going up against a little bit worse of a run defense 
than New England is. So Leonard Fournette will have his opportunities. But this is a tough matchup. The Eagles really match up well against the Buccaneers. So this is going to be a little bit tighter than I think people want to give credit for. 100% because even after we beat the Panthers, everybody's like, oh, well, we can kind of just chalk Thursday up as a loss. Short week, Tom Brady. There it is. Um, I'm very intrigued, you know, especially since you mentioned Ryan Jensen being questionable, how the the wide receiver corner matchup is going to be with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin going up against Steven Nelson and Darius Slay. How do you view that matchup and who do you think, you know, can come out on top of that if Tom's able to hit those those shots that he typically is uh, known to be taking to both of those guys, depending on who he's uh, favoring week to week? I think this is a Chris Godwin game. And what I mean by that, I don't mean that he's going to have, you know, 12 receptions for 130 yards and two touchdowns, but Chris Godwin Tom Brady has come out and said that Godwin has the best hands of any receiver he's ever played with. Right? Dude played with Randy Moss. Okay. First ballot hall of famer, in my opinion, the greatest receiver of all time, even above Jerry Rice. Uh, you know, Chris Godwin has the best hands. So I think Godwin is going to lead the team in, in targets. He'll lead the team in receptions, maybe not yards, you know, AB could still have the opportunity for a shallow crossing route. He breaks one off for, for 60 or 70 yards. Um, but when it comes time to move the sticks, when it comes time to extend drives, Chris Godwin is going to be the guy. And he is a large athletic body that can kind of like a basketball player box out the defender and, and make those tough catches. So I think Godwin's going to be kind of the, the target of the night. Mike Evans. He'll probably get his. He'll, he'll probably get a couple of red zone targets because he is another just such a big body that can win those one-on-one -on -one jump ball battles. But I would expect to see a lot of Chris Godwin in this game because they need to do what the, you know, he's, he's so versatile is really what it boils down to. He can line up on the outside. He can line up on the inside. There is not a single route that he can't run. So he's going to find kind of those soft spots where Brady can rely on him to get the ball, get some yards, and let this team continue to move down the field. Then it'll go right back to that slow, methodical ground and pound. Okay, Lenny got us three on first down. He got us two more on second down. I can hit Godwin for seven. We're good. Let's move the sticks. Or, you know, a, a quick screen pass to Godwin. They love running that to both Godwin and Antonio Brown. You don't know which one it's going to be. I just I get the feeling that that Godwin is going to be the receiver that that Brady relies on pretty heavily. And then you brought up, you know, Jalen Hurts, and it seems like everybody that that has come on Eagles enemies this year is afraid of his mobility mm -hmm. and his ability to run the ball. And I, I think he's a bit of a different runner than a lot of these mobile quarterbacks we're seeing now, like a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson, because he's a he's a big boy. He's thick. He's got big legs. Uh, how do you view this Buccaneers, you know, run defense that's been so good trying to, you know, key in on, on when Jalen Hurts is going to be able to carry the ball? Because quite honestly, he's been our best ball carrier this year. Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawers. Upper 90. You already down. know. You it's more already know.
I think that's how it we always goes. Like, like, we went like 45 minutes, and we were at like Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. Yeah, well, and, and I'm stuck in a difficult position in, in my fantasy league. Do I start Tom Brady or do I start Jalen Hurts? Um, because Jalen Hurts, he is so dangerous when he starts to. And he's not the the kind of quarterback that looks – it's not a, oh, my first read isn't there, I'm going to take off. He runs when he has to, almost kind of like Russell Wilson. He can do it, but he prefers to keep his eyes down the field, look for his open target, and move the ball that way, which – makes him even more dangerous in my opinion, because it's not one of those where, you know, the, the defense quarter saying like, look, if he hasn't released the ball by three seconds, he's taken off and running. So you just got to contain it's a, he can hold the ball for four or five, six seconds. If the protection is there and he can burn you deep, or he's going to spin out of trouble. He's going to pick up the first down and, and the Eagles are going to keep on moving. So the great equalizer to me, is somebody that we've already talked about, and that's Devin White. You almost rewind the clock 20 years to that first Super Bowl champion Buccaneers team and the way Derek Brooks used to shadow and spy Michael Vick. You know, Michael Vick was MVP caliber year. Uh, I can't remember if that was the year that he won the MVP. He was killing everybody with his legs. So Derek Brooks just sat right in the middle of the defense and said, you're not going anywhere. I'm watching you the whole time. And so Devin White, with his closing speed, this is a linebacker that runs a 4-4-40. He will be able to get sideline to sideline and try to cut off Hurts if he's you know escaping the pressure and, and running to try to move the sticks. Is he going to get there every time? No, no, he's not. I expect a, a couple of runs from Hertz to really frustrate Buccaneers fans because he will move. You know, it could be third and 13. He can take off and will get the first down. I'm just I'm trying to warn Buccaneers fans now. It's going to happen. Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal athlete, and he's only going to get better in this league because he's shown that he can do it all, right? So... It, it makes him that much more dangerous that he keeps his eyes down the field. So it'll be on Devin. I I really wish Antoine Woodfield Jr. was playing in this game because he would have been that last line of defense on the back end. He could have kept Devontae Smith kind of in check, but as soon as Hertz would start to take off, he could come down and start to crash and give, give Devin a little bit of backup there. Instead, it's going to be kind of this interesting one-on-one -on -one dance that we're going to see for for Devin White against Hertz, uh, whenever Hertz takes off and runs, but I'm I'm pretty concerned about what I've seen Jalen Hertz be able to do, and what I know the limitations of the Buccaneers defense are right now with all those injuries. And I think Devin White is 
100% key to the game for the Buccaneers. Absolutely. Uh, and I think along with Vita Vea as well, with the interior of the Eagles offensive line being uh, very inexperienced, to say the least, uh, with the injuries that we have across the offensive line that have unraveled. But on the Eagles side of things, I think, you know, everybody talks about Devontae Smith, obviously Heisman winner. I'm thrilled he's a Philadelphia Eagle. Um, but I think offensively, Quez Watkins is the guy that I want to see kind of shine under the the primetime spotlight this week. He has been, whenever he's open, he he's the guy that makes the big play. He gets downfield. He's got that burning speed. And quite honestly, I want to see him become the wide receiver too in this offense. Jalen Rager and Ronald Jones might be best friends because they like making, you know, excuses and getting into arguments on social media with fans and keeping receipts and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm just done with Jalen Rager. So I'm ready for Quez Watkins to, to shine against a secondary that is a little beat up and he has an opportunity to go out there and, you know, really shine on a, a primetime spot. Yeah, there, there's no question about it. And it's not always that number one guy that is the the one that goes off against this battered Buccaneer secondary, right? You know, for, for the Patriots, it was Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry who had done literally nothing all year long. And now all of a sudden, they are the go-to guys. They're moving the chains for Mac Jones. You know, with the Dolphins, it was Miles Gaskin was that guy for, for them, you know, with I think he had like 75 receiving yards and two touchdowns. It's the Buccaneers kind of have had to go all in on certain coverages to try to stop those those number one, number two threats. So it, it could be somebody that, that Eagles fans aren't expecting. I mean, for all intents and purposes, if they ever decide to include Miles Sanders into the fold, Miles Sanders could have a big day receiving out of the backfield with the loss of Levante David. It wouldn't even have to do with the secondary because now you're you're relying on, on Kevin Minter to be that guy, and he's not Levante David. So Sanders could have a big day out of the backfield receiving the ball. It could be Zach Ertz that has the big day because of Levante's absence. So the Eagles have the opportunity with a myriad of weapons here to exploit a, a battered Buccaneers defense and, and keep this game relatively close. And, and I think that opportunity is there for the taking. It's all a matter of can they uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Can they capitalize on the opportunity in front of them? And I'll say this. You bring up Miles Sanders. This game, I think if, if things go well for the Eagles in this sense – Buccaneers fans will be remembering the name Kenneth Gainwell for a long yes. time. This game has Kenneth Gainwell written all over it from a sense of just he has commanded the the receiving as the receiving option out of the backfield. He just is able to to get that breakaway speed whenever the ball hits his hands from Jalen Hurts. And if, if they can get the ball to Kenneth Gainwell quick out of the backfield, I think he's due for a big night as well. Yeah, there's there's no question about it. And, and I'll immediately point back to last week where it was miles gaskin who you know there was an an apb out on on miles gaskin this year and all of a sudden he blows up as a receiver you know you can talk all day long about how good this this buccaneers run defense is because it legitimately is at one point tom brady had more rushing yards than the miami dolphins entire team because the buccaneers had shut them down the patriots had rushed for on the game like negative two or negative four yards. Yep. So when you have those pass catching backs that can come out of the backfield, take two steps, and all of a sudden they're at full speed, that is a huge, huge 
mismatch against this Bucks defense the way that it's constructed right now with all of these starters out. Yeah, 100%. I think this game has a an endless amount of possibilities for the way that it could go, depending on who's in, who's out, and all that good stuff. We do a fun little uh, bonus question on this show this year, James, and uh, with Tom Brady being as all-in on, on cryptocurrency as he is, I think crypto is, is quite funny. Um, if you had an opportunity to create a Buccaneers crypto coin, one, what would it be called? And two, what would the logo be? Oh, wow. Oh, man. Um, I would probably call it... Uh, I can't come up with anything clever. Uh, I would just call it Brooks. Um, and the logo would be a rum barrel. I like that. Sure. Why I couldn't come up with anything Rondé Barber esque fast enough. I'll just go with the greatest player in team history and, you know, pirates rum. That'll work. I'll take that. I was going to say called skull coin. Skull, see, you're, you're better at this than I am. You knew the question was coming. Uh, it's been a blast, James. This game is going to be extremely entertaining, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about it all night on Thursday. Let everybody know where they can check out the podcast and all the stuff you do for Bucks Nation as well. Yeah, the Locked on Bucks podcast. It's it's myself and my co-host, David Harrison. We're free and on all platforms. We just launched our YouTube channel last week, so you can check us out on YouTube. Uh, and then, of course, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all of those. Uh, and then I'm also the deputy editor over there at BucksNation.com. That is the SB Nation page that covers the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you can find me on Twitter at JayYarko underscore Bucks. It's been a blast, man. And uh, thanks for taking some time out to hop on Eagles enemies. All right. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, be a friend, tell a friend, and subscribe, 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every Eagles matchup throughout the season. We hope you guys enjoy Season 4 of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week. Go Birds! Yeah.